Well, um, let me read this, uh, this portion. You don't have this, but let me read this portion from Wesley's covenant service. Um, this uh, this, this uh, reads this way. Dear friends, fix these three principles in your hearts. That things eternal are much more substantial than things temporal. That things not seen are as certain as the things that are seen. That your eternal lot depends on your present choice. Choose Christ and His ways and you are blessed forever. Refuse and you are undone forever. Do not delay in this matter. If you are unresolved, you are already resolved. If you remain undecided for Christ, you are already decided for the devil. Since this is true, follow your hearts from day to day. Do not let them rest until the matter is brought to an issue. And be sure to make a good choice. Next, embark with Christ. Adventure yourselves with Him. Well, I've been reading those words for 13, even longer, 15 years every year. And they never cease to jar me and awaken me and really get me, get me thinking. But hopefully, they do more than get us thinking, right? I mean, New Year's Day is a, is a great time for reflection. I hope that you have had the opportunity over the last couple of days. Chances are you probably haven't. Because it's been pretty busy for most of you, I'm sure. But maybe, and hopefully if you haven't already, you will get some time to kind of do a little bit of reflection, to, to ponder a little bit about some of the occurrences of this, this last year and some of the things that uh, have happened, some of the good times, and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, and some of the things that you might have done differently and that you will do differently when faced with those same opportunities in, in days to come. It is a... Uh, it's a great time to do your own little personal year in review, right? You've seen the magazines and the TV shows, the sports centers, years in review. Yes, Kyla watched it with me, I think, two or three times this week. Uh, that, you know, it's, it's a great time to do your own personal little year in review and, and also to, to look forward. Great time to look forward, to set some goals and to kind of chart your course for the year to come. But as I read these words again and prepared to kind of read them to you, I, I came to the quick realization that I hope you did as well as you listened to these words just, just briefly here this morning, that they are, are not words that were written originally to inspire reflection. I don't think Wesley wrote these words and thought, wow, I, I hope those people just really sit around and think about them. I hope that they don't, you know, I, I, I don't think he's, he thought, I, I hope they just read those words and just 
just ponder and reflect on those words. I think that Wesley seemed to be very aware of our tendency, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but maybe there's others of us here this morning, that to, to allow our reflection upon the important things of life to become procrastination and to become eventually just kind of apathy and going on with the status quo. Now, these words from Wesley were not written to inspire reflection. They were written to inspire action. I, I hope that you kind of heard those words again. Your eternal lot depends on your present choice. Don't think about what you want to do. Do it. Make a choice. He would have us to say, do not delay in this matter, he says. He seemed to, to be equally aware that New Year's was uh, an appropriate time to not only think about new directions, but to actually begin to move in new directions. Last January, how many of you were here last January? All right, many of you were here last January. Uh, maybe you forgot what I preached on last January, so, and that's okay. But some of you are like, oh no, James, I've been living with those messages for the last 12 months. But um, hopefully, as I mention this, you'll remember a little bit. Last January, we started the year with some, with some words from the Apostle Paul that were as well meant to inspire some action from us and, and for us. There were words by Paul written towards the end of his ministry and even perhaps towards the end of his life. And, and the challenge was to, to, to make it our goal to live out those words, not just for our entire lives, which is a great goal also, but, but for this past year. And, and you may remember them. They were these simple words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we just simply said, hey, let's, let's move in some new directions that at the end of 2010, we'll be able to say with Paul, hey, I fought the good fight. I ran the race, finished the race. And, and we have not yet perhaps finished the race, but we have finished this stage of it. And I guess I would just, you know, for accountability's sakes, just in your own heart and in your own mind, just ask, how did you do? You know, fight the good fight. Keep the faith. And I hope we'll keep running now in this new year. But this year, I want to begin to think about some other words that, that can maybe prompt us in days and weeks and months to come. Uh, words from Jesus this time, and, uh, and, and hopefully they can connect with us and encourage us as we embark, as Wesley said, with Christ and adventure ourselves with Him. I love that kind of language. Uh, and they're found in John 17, and hopefully you have a, a Bible with you. And if not, you can reach and find one there in front of you. John 17, um, this is Jesus' prayer as, as his ministry also was, was kind of moving towards its final days. And uh, Jesus prays for himself and for the church and for all believers. But this is Jesus kind of, you know, in his most real moments perhaps in these, in these prayers. And we hear from, from him and, and catch a little glimpse of of a deeper glimpse, perhaps, of, of who he was and who he is. 
And I just want to read the first five verses of this prayer. And then I'm going to zero in really on one, on one verse that I think can hopefully give us an example and, and a model as we move forward in these uh, days. And you'll notice the verse when it comes here because it'll be in italics, but uh, it won't be that way in your Bible. But would you stand with me? And uh, I'll try to read it in italics if you're looking at your Bible. I don't know how I do that, but I'll try. What's that? Oh, or, okay. Maybe Aramaic or Greek or something. Okay, here we go. John 17, 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw some of you looking at your Bible and looking at the screen, looking for the italics. Well done, well done. Well, hopefully you saw it there. And I don't know if you can flip back to that, Peter, that, that verse 4 in particular. Is it possible to go back just to that? Yeah, there you go. it's all really good stuff. These first five verses, I mean, you could dig into that and get a a lot out of kind of the general context. But for our purposes here today, I just want to kind of hone in, zero in, just focus in right on that verse four here. Look at it with me again. Just read it with me, would you? I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. The time had come for Jesus to finish the, the assignment that, that God had given to him on this earth. No doubt it was an emotional time, a, a, a moment there, a time filled with, with great reflection for him. And Jesus was simply but very powerfully here in these moments acknowledging that he had accomplished his mission. He had finished the work that God had given him to do on the earth. The, That which he was made for had been accomplished. Now, for Jesus, that meant teaching, and it meant healing, and it meant meant leading, and it meant modeling, and it meant calling, and it also meant dying. And while that hadn't happened yet at this point, it it was clearly uh, set in that direction. He was clearly moving that way um, as he he made his way towards the cross. And, And we can say... That if there was ever anybody who brought God glory on earth by completing the work that God had given him to do, it was Jesus. Right? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And we we really kind of stayed here a little bit last Sunday, but let's just say it again. Thank you, Jesus, that you completed the work that God gave you to do on the earth. Praise the Lord. Our our world is different. The universe is a new place. Our lives have the opportunity to be different, to be made new, because 
Jesus completed the work that God gave him to do. But here's the deal. No doubt our mission, no doubt our work will be different. And it will be on a completely different level than what Jesus had to do. But what a great example Jesus, I believe, has set for us with this little verse and with his life. What a model. What a standard. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were able to say with Jesus at the end of our lives, go ahead and put it back up there, Peter. I'm sorry. At the end of our lives, but even, you know, dial it back a little bit and say at the end of 2011, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say with Jesus, God, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Wouldn't it be just a, a wonderful challenge, a wonderful invitation for us to be able to say that? So, let, let's, let's think about just the parts of that for a second. What, what would it mean for us in the days to come to really bring glory to God? What would it mean for us to to, 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 to shine the light, really, on, on who God is. To say, first of all, and, and to be determined within our souls, at the very core of who we are, that I, no matter what else this year, no matter what else I do or I don't do, I am going to strive with the Spirit's help to bring glory to God. In everything I say, in all that I do, in my job, in my family, in my school, in the sports that I play, in the hobbies that I participate in, in the ministries that I'm a part of, both inside and outside of the church, it is going to be all about you, God. I'm going to find a way in the midst of those different contexts and situations to, to somehow redirect things that may be coming my way back to your way. We're good at making personal goals at the new year. We call them resolutions. And you have perhaps resolved to, uh, to, to do some new things in this new year. To, you know, I, I'm going to lose this many pounds, or I'm going to spend, save, hopefully not spend, I'm going to save this much money, or I'm going to, you know, watch this much less TV, or whatever it might be that, you know, the, the resolutions, I'm going to, you know, study, or I'm going to read this much, this many books this year. And I, these are all good, but what if we were to kind of get behind all of these things again? Get behind whatever resolutions you may have made, or maybe still thinking about making, and say again, first and foremost, I'm going to strive to make God look good. I don't, I don't know what you think of when you, when you hear the phrase, bring glory to God, but it's a little bit churchy, right? Glory to God. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, again, I, I, maybe it's that. I'm, in everything I do, what, how can I do it in such a way that makes God look good? I, I'm reminded as I think about this just of, uh, of John the Baptist and his words there in the Gospel of John as he was talking about Jesus and Jesus coming onto the scene. And do you remember John's words? He just said, I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. He must become greater. I must become 
less. Is there a better prayer, perhaps, that we could utter every morning as we awake? Lord Jesus, help me to become less today. And help you, and may you become greater in my life and in everything I do. May the life that I live, as I've said before, bring a smile to your face. May, may the life that I live, may the, may the character, the person that I am, the integrity that I have, my spirit, may it make people think well of you, God, in the way that I live. May it draw people to you. May it somehow demonstrate to the world just how great and how awesome you are. Our words just fall so short. It's so hard to somehow describe that to people. But may our lives somehow demonstrate just how great God is by the changes that He's making in us, by our worship of Him, by our adoration, by our sincerity in following after Him. May we bring glory to God. And how are we going to bring glory to God? Well, in this verse, Jesus, the example is, is for us to simply complete, complete the work that He gives us to do. And so I'm saying it like this, complete your work. Because it's, you're not, we're, I'm not, you're not here to complete Jesus' work. I'm not here to complete the work that God has given you to do. And you're not here to complete the work that God has given me to do. I, I'm here and in this year to, the way that I can bring glory to God is to complete the work that God has given me to do. And the same for you. The work that God has given you to do. Um, I, think, uh, I think you probably know what I'm talking about, but have you ever, have you ever just kind of sensed yourself um, that, you were, that you were right where God wanted you to be? And you were doing exactly what God wanted you to do. Maybe it was when you were serving somewhere, when you were just listening to someone, and you were offering a, a, a kind word or a, an encouragement of some kind. Usually it comes in those kinds of, of, of settings, but uh, sometimes you just get that feel. And maybe even this week, I know I've heard from some of you actually this week who've described these exact sorts of contexts or, or settings where you're exactly where you know God wants you to be and you're doing exactly what God would have you to do, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's one that is worth replicating, I think, just over and over in our lives. God, what is it that you have me to do? God, what is the work that you would have me to accomplish this day and, and this year? That is the work that I want to set myself to as you give me strength, as you enable me, as you help me with your spirit to accomplish. Well, um, some of you are saying, surely, surely God doesn't have any work for me to complete. <laughs> I hear that from time to time. Pastor James, you have work. Board members have work. The other pastors have work. The young people have work. The older people say, and the younger people say, the older people have work. You know, whatever it might be. But surely not I have work. The reality is that, that we were all made for this. This is what we were created for. 
at whatever stage, at whatever journey. Now, here's my daughter, Katie. Here's Christine. Here's some of our kids. They, they've got different work to do than I've got to do, right? And that's a good thing. In this room, we all have different stages. The, the teenagers among us, God has different work for you to do than he has for the senior adults that are here with us. If you're, if you're married, perhaps, and you have a little, a little baby, here, here we go, Marie and Doug, you've got different work as new parents and, and as, as maybe a, a single person here in the room has, or whatever it might be, I, there's just different opportunities, different things that God has before us. We were made for this. And what I want to really say to you that as we kind of challenge ourselves with this is that that's what really one of the reasons at least why we're here together is to help each other discover what it is that God has for us to do as we kind of bounce things off each other and encourage one another and spur one another on as the Bible says to help each other discover what it is that God has in mind for us. And then, even more particularly perhaps, to help one another discover how we are to go about accomplishing that work that God has in mind and in store for us. Now, there's lots of things that we could talk about along those lines. Lots of things that we probably need to talk about. We could talk about, about really discovering your passion. You know, what is the passion that God has given you? And And we need to discern that and really sense the passion that that God is pouring into us as we think about what work He might have for us to do. And we can talk about spiritual gifts, and we can talk about how the the Holy Spirit is supernaturally empowering you. How does He seem to be at work in you in unique and creative ways, in ways that are different perhaps than others, to enable you and allow you to carry out this this kind of ministry. And these are are very important uh, for sure. But in these weeks, and I just want to briefly introduce to you this morning, because in these weeks, in the month of January, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. Because as we think about how we are to carry out the work that God has given for us to complete, we're going to be talking about, in particular, how we do that with the strengths that God has poured into each one of us. Did you know that you have an amazing stable of strengths in your life that God has poured into you. He has created in you. He is developing in you. We want to begin to think about these strengths that God has built into us, these specific talents that he's given to us that, that enable us to do certain things at, at really kind of a near-perfect level. I, I say near very intentionally. None of us are quite reaching the perfect level. But you do some things. God has equipped you in some ways with, with the strengths that he's given you to be able to do some things almost perfectly over and over and over again that I could not come close to doing perfectly if I were to try it for the rest of my life. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is so amazing about the way God has constructed us and put us together. And and we want to, in the next few weeks, and 
and then over this year, really, and hopefully more and more into just kind of the, the basic DNA or the personality of, the, of our church, just to think about how God is, is giving us, the strengths that God is giving us in order to accomplish the work and to complete the work that he has given us to do. And so, we're going to be celebrating strengths. And here's the, uh, the uh, little icon for the next few weeks. Hopefully that doesn't bother you too much. But uh, that's, that's us. Lifted. And the Lord is giving us the strength to, to do this very thing. But, but as, we, as we think about adventuring with Christ, as we think about, again, completing the work He's given us, it, it would be such a tragedy, really, to, to fail to leverage the strengths that He has given us in accomplishing that work and completing that work. If we were to somehow just say, all right, here's the work God's given me. I'm just going to, you know, good luck, hope it works out. Just try that with whatever things I can think of. Then that's a, that's a tremendous tragedy. But if we're able to get a sense of what God is giving us to do and then be able to say, okay, and I, he has made me strong in these ways so that I can accomplish and complete that work that he has given me, then we're beginning to move into the sweet spot a little bit of where God wants us to be, I think. So let me just give you three quick ideas. I'm not going to say much about these at all, but I just want to kind of lay a little bit of a foundation uh, uh, for a lot of what we're going to be saying over the next few weeks. Just kind of get this on the table so you can be uh, not just reflecting on it, but acting upon it as well. In, in the weeks to come. So here, here's the first. When we talk about strengths, um, we're going to be asking what is right and not what is wrong. We are, we are really good at attacking what is wrong or asking what is wrong. You know, just think about this. Maybe this never happened to you, but... Um, Maybe, maybe it happened all the time. You bring home your report card and you, get, you got an A and two B's and a C and a D. And your dad or your mom looks at that report card and what's the first thing they say? What's up with that D? What's going on with that D? Right? And we're instantly looking at what is wrong as opposed to saying, wouldn't you love to have parents like this? Oh, look at that that A. Who knew you were so good at recess? You know, whatever it was. Uh, good, good job. Good job. Um, you know, uh, how, how often did that happen or does that happen even now if you're a parent? We, you know, all of modern psychology basically is based on what is wrong with people. You come in and we'll tell you Lay down on my couch and I'll tell you what's wrong with you. And then we can figure out a way to fix it. And so we've kind of bought into this mentality as in our culture, in our society, as just human people. We just kind of focus on what's wrong with us. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, maybe some of you do, but most of us just kind of look, oh man, that's wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it might be. How many of us get in front of the mirror and say, yeah, 
God, you did it right. Thank you. Not too many of us, perhaps. Maybe more than I am saying, more than I know here. But, but we focus on what's wrong so often. And, and what we're going to be doing in these next few weeks and in weeks to come and more and more into the culture of our church is to focus on what is right with you. Just the, let's, let's just introduce that saying. What is right with you? Right? Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? What's, what's right with you? To, to notice and to point out and identify the right things that God has poured into you. I mean, heaven forbid that we would focus on, on the things that He hasn't poured into us and somehow devalue and discredit God Himself. That's what we do when we focus on what's wrong. Do you hear me? We focus on what's right. This isn't just self-help blabber, you guys. This is what God is all about. He's pouring His goodness and His strength into us in unique ways. And we need to celebrate what's right. We need to ask the what's right with you question as opposed to the what's wrong. The second one kind of flows right into this because we want to be a community. We want to be people who build on strengths and not fix weaknesses. We are a weakness-fixing people as well. Uh, just, you know, if I'm not very good at something, then I try to improve it so I can become a little bit better at it. In the meantime, the things that I am good at, they don't get any better. So what do we end up with? Mediocrity is what you end up with. <laughs> a little bit good at a lot of things. Now, maybe that's not such a bad thing sometimes, but if we're saying, God, I want to bring you glory by completing the work that you have given me to do, and I'm going to do it with all the mediocrity I can muster. And do you realize what we're saying at that level, at that point? then instead of focusing on what we're not good at, which even if we spent the rest of our lives trying to improve, we probably wouldn't become, and, and research backs this up, we wouldn't really become that great at it anyway. We'd just become kind of in the middle. Instead of doing that, why not focus on the things that we're already talented at, where God has given us strength and talent and ability, and pour ourselves into that and improve that in such a way that we can use those specific talents and strengths to really complete the work that he's given us to do. Now, what do you do with these weaknesses over here? Well, you can't just completely forget about them, right? A lot of those you have to kind of cover, but there's lots of ways, and we'll talk about this, that you can, you can manage your weaknesses. Don't fix them. Manage them. I manage a lot of my weaknesses by um, about five or six simple words. Kylie, can you do that? And you know what the reality is, is that her strengths are different from mine. So when I say, Kyla, can you do that? That's not sloughing off the bad stuff to her. It's just simply saying, I'm not really good at that. But you're awesome at it. God's equipped you in such a way that you can do that easily, almost perfectly every time. And Kylie just simply says, absolutely, love to do that. And then together, we're able to complete the work that God giving us. Not weakness fixing, but strength 
building. And this all just kind of leads to this final thought, and that's this idea that we want to be a community where we celebrate uniqueness, not uniformity. And I, I just think that sometimes we come into church, and maybe you're kind of new to church, or maybe you've been in a long time, and you just kind of have this idea that if I go to church, then I've got to do it this way. And no matter how many times we try to tell each other that that's not the case, we just kind of get this idea that I've got to be this cookie-cutter Christian. And I can do it this way, well, she does it that way, so I better do it that way. Well, he does it that way, so I better do it that way, too. And, and, and the reality is that God, again, has created you uniquely, and me uniquely. I'm telling you, don't try this stuff at home. You know, don't do what I do, don't do. And I'm not going to try to do what you do. And let's celebrate and affirm and lift high the uniqueness and, and be able to recognize, to sit around a room together, even in a sanctuary like this, and say, that person is like that, and I do not understand it at all. Look around the room. Just look around. Yeah, I can say that about all of, all, just about all of you. I don't understand it completely, how you do and why you do the things you do and how God equipped you. But I can, what if I were to just step back, how free and how liberating just to step back and say, praise God. <laughs> do your thing. Do it how God equipped you to do it. And I'm not going to try to because he poured into me in a different way, and it's pouring into me in a different way. Celebrating uniqueness, not uniformity. Um, so, to say, God, I want to bring you glory this year. I want people to think well of you. I want the, the light to shine on your name and on who you are. And, and uh, one of the ways I'm going to try to do that is by completing the work that you gave me to do. I'm, I'm, some of us are kind of sh certain as to what that work is on a daily or on a larger basis. Others of us are still kind of discovering it. And there's people around you, and God's Word is going to help you discover that. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do it in such a way that's not based on mediocrity, but it's based on all the strength that you have created in me and are pouring into me even now. And in so doing, God, again, I want you to be glorified. I don't want my strengths, in other words, to highlight me. This is, this is where maybe we diverge a little bit from just a positive psychology. This isn't just so I can feel good about myself. I want to live in the strengths that you've given me, Lord, so that I can bring glory and honor to you. And I want all of that which I do with the strengths that you've given me to be under your lordship and under your authority. Amen? So let's covenant together to move in these directions in days to come. You have your little half sheet. And I haven't printed this out for you the last couple of years, but this year I thought I need to print it out so they can take it <laughs> and they can read it again. I often do this for people who I do their wedding ceremony. I'll print them off a copy of the vows that they just quoted and give them to them because oftentimes they have no idea what they're saying in the middle of that ceremony. <laughs> just to be sure you know what you said, <laughs> I want you to hold on to this and, and refer perhaps to it often as you think about the covenants that we're making today. 
So you can see where it says minister and people. That means all of us. People is just you. Minister would be me. Now yield yourselves to the Lord. As His servants, no longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Present yourselves to the Lord that you may be the Lord's from this moment forward. I am yours. I reverence you. I dedicate myself to your service. In presenting yourselves to the Lord, you affirm that you will be well contented as He appoints you to your work. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable, others more difficult and menial. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others may be contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves, as when He requires us to feed and clothe ourselves. Yes, there are some spiritual duties that are more pleasing than others, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ, but by self-sacrifice. See what it is that Christ expects for you and from you, and yield yourselves to His whole will. Do not try to compromise with Christ. That will never be allowed you. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, if you will own me as your servant, I will not compromise my commitment to you. Place me in whatever condition you choose. Call me to whatever you desire. Just let me be your servant. Make me whatever you will, Lord. Send me where you will. Let me be a vessel of silver or gold, of wood or stone. Only let me be a vessel of honor. If I am not the head or the eye or the ear, let me be the hand or the foot as one of the least esteemed of all the servants of my Lord. At the beginning of this year, we offer you our whole beings in service to you. We offer you all our daily activities. We offer you our quiet time. We offer you our interactions with each other. We offer you our families and all of our relationships. We offer you our ministry outside the church. We offer you our plans for personal, professional, and spiritual development. All that we have and are is available for your use. Lord, put us to whatever you will. Rank us with whomever you will. Let us work for you or be laid aside for you. Honored for you or despised for you. Let us prosper or let us have nothing. Lord, thank you that the covenant we make here is ratified in heaven and that 
as we declare our loyalty and allegiance to you, we are assured of you who are a loving God who is faithful to the end. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be your people. And thank you that you are our God. Thank you indeed, Father, that you give us and you call us and you invite us into the work that you have in mind. Oh, that we would be able to to say with Jesus in the days to come that, that we brought you glory by completing that very work. Guide us and enable us. Strengthen us with all the resources of heaven as we seek to be your people in the year to come. We give you thanks. And we remember that it was on the night that you were betrayed that that you met with your disciples. And you shared in a meal, Lord Jesus, that in a very beautiful and powerful way sealed what had been before and propelled them into the days that were to come. And we are so grateful that still today you provide us with this very basic meal. And as we receive of it today and as we eat and as we drink, we can both remember all that you have accomplished, all that you have done, Lord Jesus, the work that you completed so that we might be forgiven and have new life. And we can look forward with this meal as it nourishes us and strengthens us and empowers us with your grace to move into the future that you have in mind for us, all the while in anticipation of the heavenly banquet table that we will one day dine with you. And so we ask, God, that you would take the bread that we will pass and you would bless it. You would help it to be grace to us. This symbol of Christ's body that was broken, may we affirm and recognize once again that it was broken for us. And may we be thankful. And as the cup is passed as well, may we take it and remember the the sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that you paid for us, your blood that was shed, and may this cup, this symbol of that shed blood, be for us a remembrance and a celebration of the very forgiveness of our sins as we put our faith in you. Strengthen us, send us as we come to your table today. We pray this in Jesus' name.